This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education. Welcome to CBO Speaks, a podcast from the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO John Walda, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission with this podcast is for you to gain greater insight into the challenges and rewards of the Chief Business Officer role. Find out more from today's episode at www.nakubo.org. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thanks so much for being here today. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and I'm thrilled to be joined today by Takumbo Shobowale, Chief Operating Officer at The New School. Welcome, Takumbo. Thank you. Glad to be here. Well, you have an interesting background um, for a CBO that includes the public sector, and you were previously serving as the Chief Business Officer for the City of New York. How do you get from there to higher ed? Yeah, uh, I mean, honestly, it's not something I ever planned. Uh, but one of the big projects, I, I spent about uh, 11 years working in the Bloomberg administration in New York City, and Mayor Bloomberg sort of prided himself on bringing people from a variety of different backgrounds. Prior to that, I had been a, a management consultant. Um, and one of the, the projects I worked on in the city over the course of a number of years was something called the Applied Sciences Project, where we wanted to increase the number of STEM-oriented uh, graduates in New York City. So we had a competition for uh, science and, and, and engineering-based uh, educational institutions to establish a new campus in New York. And it was a process that lasted over, uh, well, probably just actually Cornell Technion ended up being the eventual winner that just opened their campus here in New York this fall. But the whole thing lasted, you know, probably about seven, eight years. And over the course of that process really made me think about the importance that higher education institutions play in cities, economies, and the national economy. It kind of got me interested in higher ed as a as a professional uh, avocation as opposed to just being a student. And so that, when I started thinking about what I would do next, uh, was one of the things that, that came across my radar. Wow, fascinating. And how did you end up at the new school then? Uh, a bit of opportunity. I mean, it's sort of uh, serendipity. Uh, actually, a former colleague of mine had been interviewing for, for the position, uh, ultimately decided he was going to do a pursue a different path, but thought it would be great for me and highly advocated to David Van Zandt, who's the president, and to me that I should, that he should consider me and that I should consider the job. Um, so, again, I have a lot to, to thank uh, Seth Pinsky is his name for, for making the suggestion to me and to, to David. I wonder if you could just do a little bit of compare and contrast. I mean, you were CBO at the city, now you're CBO at the new school. Can you just talk through some of those similarities and differences in that role from, you know, sector to sector, if you will? The, the role I had at the city was really about, rather than running the city, it was about making it easier for businesses to operate in the city. Mm. In a prior role in the city, I was at the CEO of uh, an agency within the city. Um, so, I mean, you know, the city, obviously, of New York is an enormous entity with eight and a half million uh, residents. And, you know, the economy, I think, of it where it's own to be the 15th largest economy in the world. So it's, it's a huge, huge entity. So there's no way to kind of get your arms around the entire thing. And so I think one of the nicer things about... Uh, being at an educational institution is that it's, although it's a large uh, organization with different colleges, et cetera, it's still a more manageable size than Mm -hmm. a city the size of New York. Um, And so there's a a greater sense of seeing the entire picture um, 
which is just kind of hard to do in something as large as New York City. I mean, I think there are a lot of similarities in that uh, there are different constituencies. Ultimately, everything doesn't – it's not like a, a for-profit business where everything boils down to just make more money. There's a lot of other values that are important both to the city of New York in terms of the public service and to university in terms of our educational mission and vision that makes an interesting combination of business acumen and and values and other sort of more heart-driven goals and ambitions for the institution. When you first entered higher ed, was there anything that was surprising to you or shocking to you about how academia works as compared to the public sector or the private sector? That's a good question. I mean, I think, again, because of the the different stakeholders, uh, sometimes the slower pace of change, the need for consensus, there are a lot of things that are similar. So I don't think there was anything that was particularly shocking. I guess the one thing that has been a bit surprising is how little many people within the institution know about the business, the, the, the university's finances and operations. And mm. I think, you know, in retrospect, it's not surprising because mm-hmm. faculty are busy doing what they do. They're teaching, doing research, et cetera. But I think that was a bit of a surprise for me initially, how little people knew or in many cases cared, though I think, again, the interest is picking up because of all the changes in the higher ed. There is a sense that, you know, things are different and change always is both scary and an op- opportunity. So more people are paying attention now, I think, than they have in the past. But still, the vast majority of, of, of folks on campus really are focused on their own thing, which is, is as it should be. But I think that was a bit of a surprise to me initially. Anything you, you can think of that higher education could learn from the public sector? Is there something the public sector does well, or even the private sector for that matter, that you feel is maybe not as strong in higher ed? Well, I think this is something that is the higher is starting to, to recognize, and I think Nakuba has been a great aid in this, but really the need to communicate to the broader society about the importance of what we do. And I think that's something both uh, the public sector and higher ed struggles with. And there's sort of, for those of us who, who are in the sector, obviously are here because we know how important higher education is to, to individual students, to our communities, to the country as a whole, to the world as a whole. But I think we forget especially in these times, that that's not something that everyone understands or appreciates. And so I think we, as a collectively, need to do a better job of explaining the value and why it's so important and not take that for granted. And that's something I think, again, it varies It varies by, by government, by city, by state. But in some cases, you know, cities take a more active role in promoting uh, an active role in the mission and the value they play uh, for their residents. And that's something that higher needs to learn. And I think certainly... You know, businesses are constantly in the marketing mode to present themselves and the value that they mm-hmm. provide. Um, so I think that's just something that we need to accept as really the way it's always going to be going forward, that we really need to, to make a case for why universities and colleges are important. I want to talk about your role at the New School a little bit. What do you find most exciting about your job today? It's both exciting and a bit um, frightening how much higher ed is changing and the need for not only the new school, but the, the sector as a whole to make changes. And, you know, after 50 years of growth post-World War II, basically the higher ed sector has grown continuously at a pretty rapid rate. And this was, a, you know, a product of demographics, a product of a, a broader range of people within society attending college. It used to be, you know, just white men primarily. Now it's, uh, you know, men, women, women outnumber men, uh, all races, et cetera. And there's also a concerted government effort to grow the sector through uh, federal support and loans. And because of that, we've enjoyed 50 years of, of 
pretty stellar growth. And now, since the Great Recession, that's no longer the case. And so I think that's a it's a it's a it's a challenge, but it's also exciting to think about how can we rethink some of the things we do. Um, of course, it's, it, it creates uh, anxiety on campus, and we need to build coalitions to to work on that and to to understand what's going on. But that to me is really exciting to think about. Um, for such an important part of, of our society and our economy to think about how we need to change um, and do things differently going forward. Any examples of what you're doing at the New School to, to take a look at that or address that challenge head on? The most obvious thing is in some ways going back to our roots. And the New School started, we're almost we're just a year away from our uh, centenary. Uh, but in 1919, the university was began as a non-degree uh, granting institution. It was, hmm. it was simply... Uh, some some faculty who left Columbia and they wanted to have a different kind of education where it was really uh, educated uh, faculty. There were, there were no permanent faculty at that time, but just teaching other adults who were well-educated and really kind of some of the original continuing education. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it was called non-traditional education. But now as we approach, you know, coming to the 21st century, uh, I think that non-traditional education is going to become the norm. And so we're really trying to move back to that our roots of 100 years ago, it was something called Open Campus, which is our continuing and online uh, division. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really an emphasis going forward and figuring out how to make that work and have that coexist co- co- and complement our traditional degree granting operations uh, in the various colleges here. And I think that's a real focus of what we're doing going forward. But to make that work uh, in a way that's uh, you know affordable and accessible is a challenge. And I think that's, you know, online education has grown tremendously but MOOCs are really only a small part of that answer. I think we need to continue to evolve to figure out what the bigger picture is to serve a broader range of audiences and to do more than just having course, one-off courses. I mean, I think to really offer uh, more comprehensive certificates, degrees, et cetera. And then I think in our case, to move not just for traditional things like accounting or business, but also to move into uh, more studio-based things. We're a design-centered institution. Mm. Uh, the Parsons is the college at the university, which is roughly half of our enrollment of 10,000. And so figuring out how to have meaningful interactions for more design and creative activities online uh, and through remote uh, activities is, I think, a really important challenge for us going forward. Takumbo, what are you doing today that you never imagined you'd be doing 10 or even 20 years ago? <laughs> well, being being a CBO, I mean, uh, <laughs> working in higher ed, yeah, yeah. As we discussed, I mean, I, you know, I've been here four years, and, and five years ago, I would not have known that I was yeah going to be doing this. Um, so it's in some sense all all different. I mean, I think I have always enjoyed some of the the, the strategy and thinking ahead to in terms of how organizations can better uh, address opportunities. But I think the interesting combination. In, you know, in our sector, it's really important that we that we operate well and make changes to our basic operations. So I think that interesting combination of, of strategy and operations is something that I've done kind of one or the other. And I think putting the two together has really been, um, you know, I guess not what I would have expected, but also quite fulfilling. Takumbo, do you, do you have somebody that you think of that has served as a professional mentor to you, whether it's in the private sector or the public sector or in higher ed? You know, I can't point to a single person. I mean, I think one of the things, because... The role of CBO has so many different components to it. It's important to learn from different people uh, who come from different from an area. So mm-hmm. I've certainly learned from um, my current colleagues. Um, and in some ways, again, it's people who are in different roles. But I think 
one of the things that's really important, as we talked about earlier, is the communication. And so there are a couple of folks here. Um, our chief marketing officer, marketing officer here is someone who comes from uh, the private sector, but she's done an amazing job of adapting. And I think just because of her, her name is, is Anne Adrian's, um, of her adaptation to uh, this environment, really just being a great listener. And that's just so critical to what we do. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, the, the, the older I get, the more I realize, um, and I'm, I'm a talker, um, but I think the, the, the importance of really listening deeply is, is really important. And that's something I've learned uh, from people like Anne, uh, actually, I work very closely with our provost here, Tim Marshall. Uh, it's a lot to, to learn to see how uh, he interacts in this environment. Because, oh, again, although that our job is on the business side, the the understanding and, and having a close relationship with our colleagues on who are academics is really important. So it's important to learn from those folks as well. Um, and then I've I've learned um, from from prior my prior boss in the city, uh, the deputy mayor. His name is, is Bob Steele. Learned a lot from him in terms of uh, just the way in which uh, he treated people, interact with people. So I think it's really this job is a mix of things. And so I've learned from a variety of people, not only here, but in prior careers. And it's important to kind of realize the many facets of our, of our role. Well, and as you think to the next generation of leaders coming up behind you, are there things that you, you're trying to identify or help mentor others toward leadership? I think the biggest thing is just again, to recognize the need for change. So what I just mentioned, I think the listening, listening, listening is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, But also I think that the the need to constantly look at things with fresh eyes, and it's very easy because just the exigencies of our daily job, we're so busy, it's easy just to kind of put our head down. But I think this taking a moment to take a, to step back, pick our head up and look at the bigger picture and, and ask does something need to be this way is really, really important. Um, and so that's, I think, the thing that I most want to impart with my colleagues who, you know, will remain, well, if, whether they go on to, to work elsewhere or here, I think all of us in the sector need to constantly be reexamining why we're doing what we're doing. And that's difficult when we're just the challenges of, of running the organization, you know, keeping the trains on time, meeting budgets. It, it, it takes a real effort to step back and look at and reexamine the way we do in which, in which we do things. When you're trying to take a step back and look at that, are you are you trying to look at other sectors for models of inspiration, or are you really just trying to take a pause on your own work and try to be conscious of the fact that you need to take a step back? As I mentioned, there are things we even did in in, in New York City government uh, to think about better conveying information, um, real customer service orientation, and certainly the customer service orientation is something we can learn from a host of other industries. Mm-hmm. You know, customer is sort of a a four-letter word in our context, uh, but students really are customers. And I think in this world, as expensive as, as, as education is, people really have a choice. So we have to view them as, as folks who have a choice. It's not a, a foregone confusion that everyone's going to go to uh, expensive institutions to get degrees like we offer. So we have to view them in that light. So I think there is a lot to learn from the way in which other industries treat their customers. Um, and the other thing, I think, frankly, there's a lot of innovation in the for-profit sector. And again, the for-profit sector, I think those of us in the not-for-profit sector have tended to kind of uh, look down our noses at, at the for-profit sector. And certainly there've been plenty of, of issues with you know, treatment of students and, and student debt, et cetera. But I think because of, of the financial pressures those organizations face, there's been a lot of innovation. So I think we can look 
not only to other sectors, but within higher ed, to the for-profit sector, um, to governments. I mean, I think really we shouldn't have any limit in terms of where we look for innovation uh, because we really need to re-examine everything. What would you say collectively is the biggest opportunity that faces CBOs today? Like if you look at across across the country, all of your CBO colleagues, what what's the biggest opportunity? We've talked a little bit about some of the challenges. Um, what do you what do you see there? Well, I do think. I mean, it, it is this this whole population that we as universities have t- typically not served well. Even at the high water mark, basically just barely half of the college age population has gone to college. So there's a huge group of people out there in the world who we have not served well typically. And that uh, really is an opportunity. If we look beyond the traditional model of we're just looking for 18-year-olds coming out of high school um, or you know, typical you know, two-year uh, master's programs or, or uh, associate's programs, if we sort of expand and say, what, are, what, are the, what do people need? What, what do 21st century citizens, well, and frankly, folks around the world, need to better accommodate, learn from, um, make the most of the 21st century economy. And I think if we look at that, that's a huge population that we've typically not well served. That is, especially as we're looking at flat enrollment in the typical population, that's a huge opportunity for all of us. And that's sort of what you were we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation, what you're, what you're working on at the new school, right? To create some different opportunities for continuing education in a different way? Absolutely. And again, it's not it's much easier said than done because it's not what we've typically done. And so our, everything about the university is geared towards the typical on-site you know, residential, you know, four year or, you know, five or six year, that population is what we've served, you know, for, for a century. So it takes a lot to change everything. You know, our mission cycle is everything. And again, that's where, again, we could learn from some of the for-profit players, which have taken a very different model. They were engineered from the ground up in a very different way. So it takes a lot of, of learning for us to realize how best to serve these different kinds of populations. Tukumbo, anything else you'd like to share today that I've neglected to ask? No, I think it's just, uh, I think the, the one thing I would say is that I think we also could do a better job, and Nakuba is a great forum for this, for reaching out to each other and helping each other think through these issues. Mm-hmm. Because in some ways, it's a it's a, a lonely job. I mean, mm-hmm. we have lots of colleagues, but no one who's doing exactly what we're doing. And so I, just as we can learn from other industries, we can certainly learn from each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think the good thing is, although in some ways we're competitors, we're not really. We're all kind of in this together. So I think that's the thing we all need to do is look to each other uh, as sources of inspiration, as counselors, to your point, as mentors. And that's something we all need to continue to to take advantage of going forward. It's it's an amazing community of of colleagues. Well, thank you so much, Takumbo, for your time today and for sharing just a few of your insights with our listeners. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. You can find out more about Takumbo and today's episode by visiting the distance learning section of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts so you'll get your latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Takumbo and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom planning software by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education. Oh, 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 oh